0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg. This podcast derives from the Humankind public radio series, which I began hosting back in 1997. Our program recognizes how hard it can be, but also how necessary for us to hold on to our humanity. So we've sought out people with stories that illustrate how they approach that quest, to aim high, to treat others as we'd like to be treated, To see others as more similar to us than different. To strive for patience and personal grace, even in adversity. To be part of the solution, not the problem. We hope our podcast helps to reinforce and inspire your own quest. Thank you. Major funding for this public radio international program is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with additional support from the PRI Program Fund, whose contributors include the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation.
1: Peoples of all colors coming together in words, in in literature. Ah, it's an honor. I never thought I was going to be doing this. I still can't believe that I have a bookstore
0: here. It's a dream come true for me. The most unusual barber in Los Angeles who expanded his shop into a community bookstore to promote literacy. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. It's late morning on a weekday, and the famous barber of Santa Ana, California, near Los Angeles, is surrounded by what he loves most children and books. Thank you. you. Forty fourth graders are seated on the floor of the Libros para Niños children's bookstore as the good-natured, slightly manic figure of 61-year-old Ruben Martinez, a local barber with a commitment to literacy, bounces around in front of them.
1: Look at that beautiful piece of art up there. Un Mexicano de Nayarit painted it. It's, it's el sol y la luna. The sun and the moon están leyendo un cuento. They are reading a story. And that was donated by this famous artist for all the children of Santana, Santa Ana, California. Isn't that nice?
0: With large toy animals suspended from the ceiling, the new bookstore was designed by Martinez as a fun celebration of reading. Hundreds of colorful books, most in Spanish but many from other languages and cultures, are displayed on plastic white rain gutters that serve as attractive bookshelves.
1: I like this story because it's, uh, it's so true, and many of us have gone through this sad situation.
0: Wearing jeans and a silver mustache and holding a storybook, Martinez enchants his young listeners with the tale of a Latino girl who makes medicine from plants. And while he's got their attention, he delivers a message to the children of this working-class town about the importance of literacy.
1: If you read 20 minutes a day, 20 minutitos todos los días, siete días por semana, you will have read one million words a year. And if you read the 20 minutes a day, you will learn anywhere from 1,000 or 3,000 new words a year. So it's your choice. So when you get home tonight, you tell your moms and your dads to read to you out loud before you go to bed. And if for those of you that have younger brothers and sisters, you read to them. Because reading a book can change your life, okay? You read to succeed. That's why I have so many books here. And these books are for you. Because when I was your age, we didn't have any books at home. We didn't have any. So I used to look forward to going to school on Mondays because I had a teacher that always had a book for me. And I used to get that book, tuck it between my pants, and i run to the closest bathroom. And I would lock myself in there and read, and read, and read, and I could go anywhere in this world from my bathroom. And now that I'm grown up, I am visiting a lot of these countries that I read about at the age of 9 and 10, the ages that you are. You have a question?
0: I have, like, her. Uh Uh-huh. My little sister, every time before I go to, to school, My little sister, um, saying, "Read me a story. Read me a story. Read me a story." And she likes um, me to read her a story. And I get the book and I start reading to her. And then she, she's like so, she's so cute. She giggles and she laughs and she, and she wants me to read it again and again and again. But when and today I just couldn't finish the story. I had to go to school.
1: Well, that's important too. You know, that's a story in itself. Storytelling is in. Thank you for that, for sharing that beautiful story. So go home tonight and read some more.
0: Tell me how a barber became a a champion of literacy
1: isn't that something uh, I don't know if I'm there's a lot of people out there that are bigger champions than I am I had a barber I shop I still do and I've been a barber now for almost a little over 40 40 years but I always had books I never had magazines okay I remember when I was a kid I used to uh, get a, bar, a haircut. They used to have all these magazines, but they weren't the nice ones. They were crime and police Gazette and all those type of things. And I said I read them, but I wanted good literature. So when uh, we had the barber shop, uh, uh, my customers wanted to borrow and read the books, and of course I used to loan it to them, but never to be seen again. So um, that's where the idea came by. Uh, friends were telling me, he "says Do you have these great books? Why don't you start a bookstore?" And I, I did, I wanted to, I just didn't know how. I don't know anything about that type of business. The one bookshelf, that's all I had in the barber shop. And then little by little, we expanded from one bookshelf to a second bookshelf to a third bookshelf. I had books and art all over that barbershop. You couldn't even see the paint. And people used to come in and see it because it was just like a little museum, okay? They could find anything they wanted to there, besides a good haircut. And I used to be very, very busy then because I used to do the haircuts, answer the phones, sell the books. And uh, and I
0: used to be just by myself, and uh, we've grown since, yeah. Customers still receive haircuts daily, but the store has changed its name to Martinez Books and Art Gallery. And these days, the barber chair often goes unoccupied as Ruben tends to the duties of selling at his main store and here at the new children's bookshop a half block away. And he's that rare kind of businessman who passionately promotes the competition.
1: So what you want is a library card because a library card will take you further, will take you all the way around the world. Get a a library card, okay, and go visit those gold mines. And remember, tell your parents to read to you, and you read to your younger brothers and sisters so you can have a good life, okay? Thank you very much for joining us. Now, let's go see what we can do about you, okay? Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for being here in your bookstore, okay? A lot of them I have given away. When I'm in a good mood, I usually give books away to children, to parents. But my accountant said lately, quit being in a good mood. (laughs) You got bills to pay. You got two bookstores now. And and, uh, that's the way it started.
0: You have a reputation as as a dynamo of community outreach. Uh, Describe some of your activities and, and why you're so committed to uh, reaching out to the community.
1: Well, th- thank you for that compliment. Um, I, I'm i just an average person here in my city of Santa Ana. Um, I, as busy as I am, sometimes I still have time left over to help somebody, whatever their cause is. I always put somebody else's thoughts and uh, thinkings before mine. That's all I've ever done, and help them with whatever it is. We raise money for uh, disabled children, for families that maybe their house burnt down. But uh, we are involved in our community with the schools, with the teachers, with the parents, uh, with many causes from leukemia to cancer to diabetic diabetic, uh, causes and concerns. we are a meeting place. You know, we had Mr. Clinton that came by and visited. You know, we've had the governor of California that has been here quite a few times. Senators, assemblymen, the mayors, uh, they, they come and visit, you know, and because they are into reading. And we have different types of books. You know, these books you just can't find in the, your regular chain bookstores. Yeah, we have good readings,
0: good, good books. Do you see uh, a difficult road for a, a small bookstore in an age of these giant chains? Oh, definitely. The odds
1: are against us. Uh, it's a, a double-edged sword. Uh, independents are are going out. Uh, they're not lasting, uh, just like in any business. Uh, Montgomery Wards, Sears, uh, Home Depot, uh, the big. They're going because the bigger you are, the faster you move. It's just like a tank running over you. Uh, with us, it's different. Heck, you know, nobody knows what we're doing, not including us. We're just growing because of the population. The population is growing. It's a reading population. You know, I'm getting sick and tired of people telling me, "Oh, Mexican people, Spanish people, Spanish people don't read," and I said, "Well, if they don't, let's change that." And this, we have a, we have an address now. We have two addresses for the moms and the dads and for the children to come in and choose it because when they come in, they get a lesson from us about the importance of reading. What happens if you read and what happens if you don't read? Do you want your child to be ahead of the line or in the back of the line? That's up to you, mom and dad. You have to endorse and support and read to your kids at home. And if you do that, your kid will be ahead of the line and they will write their goals and be someone special in this world. Reading does it because reading is going to get you want to go out to other things. The reason that we are here is because we're very involved in our community. We're everywhere. We go to the schools. I have visited every school in my city of Santa Ana many times over. I'm visiting schools in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Now I'm going back east to Chicago, to New York, to Washington to address and make presentations with students about the importance of an education, a good education, to think about life. You only go through it once. Family, to house. How important family is, how important your community is, how important an education is because without an education, it's going to be a sad life and life is an opportunity. Mother Teresa said that. So why don't we learn and be somebody and go to school every day?
0: We're visiting with Ruben Martinez, the community activist, barber-turned-bookseller in Santa Ana, California, near Los Angeles. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg.
1: My house, my parents never talked about higher education. They were copper miners. Both my mom and my dad were miners. In Arizona? In Arizona, yes. That was during the 40s and the 50s. Uh, my mom was a miner and she died at a very young age because she had lung, you know she used to cough at night and she died young I never wanted to be working in the in the smelter I never wanted to work in the mine mills I never wanted to go underground I wanted to I was a reader, I wanted to go to Africa, I wanted to go to Argentina, I wanted to go to Mexico, I wanted to go to London, Paris, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. I wanted to go, I didn't want to go work underground in a mine like rats. I didn't want that. I wanted to, I wanted to see what color this world was and I'm finding out that it has thousands of beautiful colors and that is us, the people, the languages and we come in all sizes and they come in here. So, yeah, I can't believe it. (laughs) I can't believe we sell books.
0: You're by any measure a very unusual barber and an unusual bookseller. And I'm trying to understand where inside of you this whole vision comes from
1: John Steinbeck, Ernest Hemingway, uh, Juan Rulfo, Carlos Fuentes, Sandra Cisneros. You know they. You know they they just turn me on, okay, and i have i I fill up with all kinds of good feelings with words with stories, and I don't want to keep them in me, so boom, I release them to whoever wants to listen to them, and I have a listening army out there that comes to the story every day and says, "Let me tell you about this book." And this author, so, and if they purchase it, I tell them, let me know if you liked it or not, okay? I want to know if you care for that story, uh, this author. And they come back and tell me, he says, thank you very much for recommending that book. I really enjoyed it, and now I'm recommending it to somebody else. We put authors on a pedestal here. They are so important, and uh, here, I don't care how famous you are. We put you on a pedestal, and we've had some of the nation's finest authors Come to visit us. Who are some of the authors who've stopped by? Well, we've had Isabel Allende. She came to visit us when I was in a small, tiny barbershop. It was the smallest barbershop. It was the smallest bookstore in America. And you only have 10 seconds to get their attention. So I said, Isabel, if you come and visit us, I can guarantee you we'll have a 1,000 people at our book signing, and half of them are going to be under the age of 18. So she said, hmm. Okay, she came down. Well we surprised her. We had 3,000 people and more than half of the audience that came was under the age of 18. She's one of the best sellers uh, all over the world. The, the House of Spirits, uh, yeah, that's that's the, the number one, the first book that she wrote and she still sells more. Her books have been translated in 25 to 35 languages and she writes in Spanish, Isabel Allende. Uh, we've had Jorge Ramos that has been here. We had 2,000 people for uh, for his book signing and there was long lines down the sidewalk and we dubbed it lines for literature. That's what we were dubbing and then Sandra Cisneros came. She has a book called House on Mongo Street. We had a thousand people for her. She was surprised, okay? And now the great one, the big one is coming into town and that's Carlos Fuentes. He is coming to us because he knows that we're community people. And he said, oh, el peluquero, el barbero, you know, so I'm known as the barber. <laughs> and that's, I probably make more money cutting hair than selling books. But I'm rich here in my heart because we sell books.
0: Well, we'll just do a trim today. That's it. Just a little shaping.
1: Right. Shaping and balancing, <laughs> yeah? That's what this world needs, shaping and balancing. Just a little bit more.
0: In 40 years of barbering, Ruben Martinez has conversed with countless loyal customers who mount his chair both for a stylish haircut and a spirited discussion that can drift from the personal to the literary to the political. So feeling a bit shaggy myself, I donned the customer's smock and as Reuben worked his shears, he described that special intimacy between a barber and the customers he grooms.
1: You know, it's so hard, it's so hard to be a listener, to be a good listener. But a lot of the things that I've listened to, I've kept to myself. It's something that I cannot, you know, share with anyone. This is very, very personal. And I've been told through the years, wonderful, wonderful stories about life, family, community, thousands of divorces, many marriages, a lot of graduations, <laughs> and and sad moments, disagreements, fights, arguments, the political, the religion, you know, you name it, everything is discussed in a barbershop. Looks good. And now we'll go all the way around again. My customers are some of the richest in the world and some of the poorest in the world. And I had the pleasure once of, I was running late, of hooking up one of Orange County's richest persons in here. And I introduced them to one of the poorest. And they were around the same age and they had so much in common. They wow. had this conversation. One was good English and poor Spanish, but they got along real good. <laughs> and... Um, and then the following day, both of them called me and they wanted to know if they had a phone number for them because they were wanting to invite each other for dinner. Isn't that something? And they were in their late 70s. Oh, God, that was great to do something like that, where people come and they none of them knew, neither one of them knew that this one person was rich or this one person was poor. They met here.
0: Everyone's equal in the barbershop.
1: And that means I'm not any better than they are. <laughs> And actually, giving a haircut is just like doing your lawn, okay? And you cut, use a lawnmower, okay? If you don't come back and do the edging, it's an unfinished job. So how many lawns have you seen out there that wasn't finished because they didn't do the edging? This is what we're gonna do now.
0: A visit to the barber is one of life's odd moments of reality. As I confront the mirror and somehow hold an entire conversation with a person, I'm seeing only through his reflection while he clips and trims, I face the truth of my thinning hair, my lingering vanity, and the humbling fact that I must soldier through this existential crisis wearing a plastic smock spotted like a leopard's skin. Ruben Martinez realizes he has to keep things lighthearted.
1: Okay, then what I'm gonna do is water. This is what makes the hair grow, water. So water is a miracle worker. It's good age too all. It looks very
0: nice. It yes. looks very nice. Okay. Thank you very much. It doesn't look like you got a haircut. It, but you do, but you do look nice. Thank you. have done a lot of work with prison inmates oh, over yeah. many years. When did that start? Well, it started
1: about 25 years ago. I used to go to Juvenile Hall, and uh, parents used to tell me that my child is there, and uh, do you think maybe you can go visit, and she says, I don't know, this is for family only. So when I talked to one of the teachers at Juvenile Hall, she said, oh, Reuben, we would like for you to come and visit to, uh, the, the students there and i and i did and it was an experience for me also because you know they you they have to clear you number 1 and then you have to go through these metal detectors and you know they the whole thing so uh, when i went in there i told the students in there guy you guys get in here so easy I man i had a heck of a time getting in here okay some of the students in there i asked him uh, do you any of you have any show of hands do any of you have any animals like a little dog or cats and being, you know, tough guys, they, they don't want to let anybody know that they have little animals. He says, come on. He says, I, all my neighbors and my family grew up with dogs. Someone in here must have a dog. And, uh, and finally I could see one hand or two hands. And I says, well, good. What is the name of your dog? I tell this student. Then they tell me. And then I said, did you tell your little dog you were going to be here? And I said, well, what do you mean? It says, well, your little dog is probably wondering what happened to you. Now, that's not very nice because little animals give you nothing but love. And they wait for you to come home from school or from work. And here you are, and you never told them. When you get home, give your little dog a hug, but also hug your mom and your dad because even though you've done something wrong, they're very proud of you. And to them, there's nothing more important than your family, you as a family member. Remember that. And uh, I know that your moms and your dads take two or three or four buses to get here to visit you. And if they're 10 minutes late, they won't let them in. And they spend the whole day on buses because they came to see you because of whatever it is that you did. So think about those things. And after visiting, you know, I've been doing it for quite a few years. They, I still get a lot of calls and I, I do about two, two jails a, a month. But I tell them that they still have a good future. They, there's still time for them to to, uh, to, to start a, a new life if that's what they want to. You can always clear it up, clean it up, and be someone special and and, and give rather than take and help rather than hurt.
0: A favorite book,
1: yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, my favorite book, and I read it in Spanish in the late 50s, is El Llano en Llamas by Juan Rulfo, the Mexican writer. He wrote it in the uh, 53, 54, 55, and that is uh, The Burning Plain, P L A I N, El Llano en Llamas. And it's 20 short stories, they're 20 minutes long. And the stories are wonderful. They changed my life. They they kept me going when things really go bad because I've always said that if you really, 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 really want something really bad and you work hard and you put passion to it, it'll happen. But sometimes you really get what you don't expect. And being able to cope with this these difficult times and how to... You know, how to overcome difficult obstacles. You know, by reading, I've heard, learned how to handle those because there's goods and there's bads in this world. And so love that book. I've read it about, oh, maybe 50 times. Wow. Oh, I'll read it another 10 times before I leave. You know, I want to read it because it, it makes my day.
0: Why is it so important that parents read aloud to their children? They have to read,
1: it, it is, uh, they have to, first of all, they have to endorse their children. And endorsing their children is spending quality time with them and not just driving them to school. You know, you know, I think parents today need to spend more time with their children, period, okay? And talk about a lot of things, not only school, the grades, but today's young parents, if they read to their children out loud, uh, uh, especially the father. My personal campaign is to get daddies out there, el papá, el hombre de la familia, to stand up, sit down, and read to your child out loud, and then put them to bed and then take out the trash. You're going to have a good marriage and you're going to be a good father. But that child will know what a book is before he or she attend a kindergarten and first grade. Many kids today don't have books at home. And that's why I always bring out the libraries, you know, to for them to go rent their books, they're free, and to read that at home. Most
0: likely, their child will go on to higher education if they start reading at a young age. Ruben Martinez, barber, literacy activist, and owner of Martinez Books and Art Gallery in Santa Ana, California. listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with The Network Incorporated. Studio recording by Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Brendan Tapley. Field recording by Tucker Stilley. Program development and support provided by Sharp Media.
1: You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org.
0: This segment on The Literary Barber with Ruben Martinez is Humankind Program number 34. The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio.